I'm Craig Newmark, customer service rep and founder of Craigslist, and you're listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. Welcome to Episode 18. We have some new features, a live Q&A, and an interview with Google's amazing Avinash Kaushik. Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever this podcast finds you, thank you so much for joining us for episode 18. We opened the show with a message from Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist.com. Please don't miss our next episode, as we'll share our interview with Craig and hear how he created one of the world's best-known and most practical websites. And Craig will explain why the site isn't up for sale and why he isn't going to be the next Internet billionaire. If this is your first 10 Golden Rules podcast, thanks so much for giving us a try. Along with the 10 Golden Rules team and our listener community, I cover the latest in internet marketing strategies and how to use the internet for business, personal productivity, and fun. I record live in one take to a software called Cast Blaster. So enjoy the natural sound. There's no fancy radio style production. And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to this show for free at iTunes or on our website at 10goldenrules.com. And please join the conversation. We'd love to have your contributions by calling our K7 line. It's 206-888-6606. All you have to do is call in and the system will digitize your voice and create an MP3 file and I can just click play and play it for everybody else on the show. I'd love to know what's on your mind. What do you think? What's happening with the economy? How is that going to affect the internet? And how is it going to affect your business? Or ask us a question. Is there something that's been bugging you about internet marketing? So please call 206-888-6606 or email me, j at 10goldenrules.com. We have some amazing events coming up at, at 10 Golden Rules. And if you want to learn more about internet marketing and about the strategies we cover on this podcast, these are fun networking events and a great way to sink your teeth into the nuts and bolts of making money online. I'll go through them briefly, and there will be links listed, as always, at 10goldenrules.com with more information. Coming up on February 12th, I will be presenting at an event promoted by the U.S. Department of Commerce at the Four Seasons Hotel in Costa Rica. The event is called How to Use the Internet to Market to the U.S. and the World. If you're in Costa Rica or you know anyone in the region, you can register at 10 Golden Rules. On February 21st, I will be back in the U.S., and I'm presenting a keynote at the Direct Marketing Association event in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The presentation will be called 10 Proven Techniques to Increase Your Website's ROI. You can register for that one at www.fdma.org. And on February 22nd, I'm part of a search engine training program being presented by the South Florida Interactive Marketing Association. The event takes place at NBC6 Studios, and I'm sure we'll all be interested in seeing this, the NBC Studios, and participating are search engine experts Joe Laratro and William Leake. Visit sfima.com for registration info on that one. And the big event is next uh, for the next month is going to be on February 23rd. 
we're going to kick off a bunch of activity at Affiliate Summit in Las Vegas with a full day of training called the Internet Marketing Boot Camp. The event is being presented by the University of Las Vegas, Nevada's Division for Educational Outreach. It'll take place at the Rio Hotel. It's one day before Affiliate Summit 2008 West. We have a couple of amazing speakers, including James Martell, the author of the Affiliate Marketer's Handbook. You can hear James on Episode 8 of this podcast. It's free, of course, available on our site or on iTunes. And another amazing internet marketing marketer, Ron Caparelli. He's the CEO of LifeScript.com. And Ron's a, a real internet pro. He uh, was the number two guy at eDiets.com. He was a vice president at iVillage in the formative years, helping build those two companies into great internet.coms. And he's turned LifeScript into an internet powerhouse. As well, most of you know Margie Schneider from this podcast. She's our super smart VP of operations, and she'll be sharing some of her best strategies as well. So once again, the information is available at 10goldenrules.com. It's February 23rd at the Rio in Las Vegas. A big thank you to Professor Steve Phelan, Chris Shearer from UNLV, and Sean Collins and Missy Ward, our hosts at Affiliate Summit West 2008. So we got some great stuff coming up. If you're in any of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of the events or get in touch. We're going to do marketing meetup dinners as well. So please get in touch and, and take part in these events. Now, we have a couple great new features for the podcast. First up is Larry Port with a new feature we're calling the 10 Golden Rules Joke of the Week. Hello, Jay. This is Larry Port calling in with the Joke of the Week. So, a dog walks into a telegraph office. He goes up to the telegraph operator and he says, I'd like to send a telegram. Woof, woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. Telegram operator looks what the dog just told him. He says, all right, there's nine woofs there. You know, for the same price, you can send another woof. Dog looks at the operator. He says, yeah, but that wouldn't make any sense at all. This is Larry Port from rocketmatter.com with the joke of the week. Thanks so much, Larry. What a nice feature. We look forward to many laughs in the coming weeks. Uh, next up is a new caller, kind of appropriate following Larry's joke. It's Lorna Paxson from Happy Tales Grooming Products for Dogs. Hi, my name is Lorna Paxson, and I'm one of the owners of a company called Happy Tales. Uh, we make a line of uh, spa grooming and wellness products for dogs, and we're just now getting into all of the Web 2.0 stuff. And uh, we're thinking about doing an affiliate marketing program where we would be the merchant, obviously. When I've uh, been researching this, there's just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different services that provide, that are affiliates and provide this kind of service. And um, I'm just sort of overwhelmed with all the information and wanted to know if you guys knew how we could sort of narrow it down to find the best company for us. You know, we sell mainly to wholesale companies, you know, pet stores and the like. But in this case, we would love to get on to different websites that would attract a dog-loving audience. So uh, any input you could provide would be greatly appreciated. I love your podcast, and I listen to it every time it comes out. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, Lorna, thanks so much for joining the conversation. Let me try and give you the, my simple take on affiliate marketing. Um, you'll also find a couple great interviews uh, on this show, one with um, um, James Martell, as I mentioned, on Episode 8, and I think it's Episode 2 or 3. There's another, uh, we covered the Affiliate Summit show 
in Miami earlier this year with a number of interviews from people at the affiliate show. But to simplify affiliate marketing, basically I always say it's, it's a great way to turn on a virtual sales force. You can get people who are great at search marketing, people with large opt-in email lists, people with a lot of traffic to their website to promote your website and you pay them a finder's fee every time they send a lead or a sale over to your site. Now you're going to need some software or you're going to need a company to be in between you and the affiliate. And that company or that software will track how many leads each affiliate sent into your website. And then the company or yourself will have to pay the affiliates for every lead that converts or every sale. There's two companies that I recommend. The first one is Commission Junction, available at cj.com, and the second one is Linkshare. Now, there's a number of companies that also do this, but those are the two biggest affiliate communities. Each of them has over a million active affiliates, and they provide that, uh, that, that um, connection between you and the affiliate. They'll pay all the affiliate checks, and you just have to pay one check. You don't have to worry about all these business relationships, and typically the affiliates trust Commission Junction or Linkshare to be that affiliate for you. So if you want to really simplify it, uh, Commission Junction or Linkshare, and there's a great forum on affiliate marketing at ABestWeb, that's the letter A, B-E-S-T, W-E-B, ABestWeb, and they run a great affiliate forum where you can find out all about affiliate marketing. Now, all of that being said, if you really want to get um, the full um, indoctrination into affiliate marketing, please join us in Las Vegas. The biggest show in affiliate marketing is called Affiliate Summit. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing a training on February 23rd, um, then February 24, 25, 26 at the Rio in Las Vegas is Affiliate Summit. It is a great show. It's a great community. I mean, it's really laid back and people really willing to help there's a trade show as well. We're going to be displaying at the trade show. So go to AffiliateSummit.com and you can find information about the Affiliate Summit show. Uh, next up, here's a little bumper from Natalie Gelman. Ten golden rules for all your internet marketing needs. Natalie's a singer-songwriter now based in New York City. We met at PodCamp Boston, and she provided a couple little audio bumpers. So you'll be hearing more from Natalie on upcoming uh, podcasts. We, paid her, we played her PodSafe song on show number 13, and she uh, has a new album available at nataliegelman.com. Now next up, I'm going to play the Q&A session, the questions and answers, from our last Internet Marketing Boot Camp. And this took place in Fort Lauderdale. It was promoted by the American Marketing Association. We had a great crowd. And as you'll see from the questions, it was recorded live following my presentation at the Internet Marketing Bootcamp. I really like the live interactive nature of these sessions. I'd love to know your feedback. Do you want to hear more of this kind of stuff? Because we're doing these shows all the time. So here is the live Q&A from the AMA Internet Marketing Bootcamp. Okay, thank you all very much. So we're here at the American Marketing Association Boot Camp. We've just gone through the 10 golden rules of internet marketing. What I'm going to do is go live with the Q&A, the question and answers. And I, I asked everyone to hold their questions, so thank you very much for doing that. Who wants to go first? Who's got a tough one? 
Hi. Question is, you know, you talk a lot about reciprocal links and links and things like that. Many of us, like when you're in marketing and advertising firms and things like that, your clients don't want to link back and forth or people you do services for don't want to link to you. So what are the best other alternatives if you don't have that benefit? That's a great question. And, you know, we talked about the importance of links to your website. So those links coming into your website. And you've got to build quality, relevant, important links to your website. So a number of things you can do is, if you're involved in boards or associations or on your local chamber of commerce, make sure they don't list your company. They list your www.company.com address. Another thing that's really valuable is writing articles. There's a number of article syndication sites, including e-zine articles, and there's, an, there's, there's dozens and dozens of website article syndication sites that will take your article and list you as an expert. And those same chambers of commerce and associations and business publications will also carry your articles with a byline with the .com link to your website. In terms of getting other companies to link to you, certainly your business partners are a harder sell, but any suppliers where you have a little bit of leverage, there's no reason why they can't link to your website. So there's a number of different ways to get great links to your website. Someone else have a question right here in front? Um, my name is Mary Mathis, and we're about to launch a Hispanic Internet television site called Mensaje TV. And my question relates to Hispanics are now the, the largest minority in the United States. How are search engines addressing sites in Spanish? Well, Google's really still the king, and, and they're doing so much more in languages. I heard an amazing statistic the other day. Uh, Mitch Joel was out at the Googleplex, and one of the engineers said that there's 20% of the searches done every day have never been done before in Google. So I think a large part of that is other languages. So Google's still king, but there are a number of Hispanic-based and language-based search engines as well. Hi, I'm Patrice Gutentag with Hands on Miami, www.handsonmiami.org. And we are uh, continually recruiting for our youth volunteer corps, which are 13 to 17-year-olds, um, 18 if they're still in high school. So the middle and high schoolers to come out and volunteer, typically they get hooked because they have to do it uh, for community service hours for graduation, and once they realize how much fun it is, they're going to want to keep coming. So we'd like to connect to this group in the way that they're used to. So using Facebook and MySpace and with the blogging uh, links that may be available, but the concern that's been raised is around the Child Online um, Protective Protection Act and how might we be able to balance those two needs, one to reach this community of youth but also wanting to protect them and their privacy. That's a great question. MySpace certainly has gone pretty far in terms of creating private spaces and private sites, and so only your friends in the group can see your, your profile and your updates. Certainly a Facebook group is a great way to recruit some people in. And then even developing a unique community on your site where you offer all kinds of information, everyone can network and share ideas, and you could make that a closed uh, community. You could also do a partially open, partially closed community where a basic profile could be seen like a name and, and or a nickname in the group. And then personal and private information could be only available to members of the group, people who've registered and logged in. Hi, John from Take 5 Solutions, uh, take5edge.com. 
I have a uh, SEO question uh, regarding user-generated content. How does that uh, affect the uh, the page ranking and the uh, SEO effects on the actual site? If if you don't have content, but it's actually being generated, and you're trying to match the keywords for this user-generated content, how does that apply to trying to get up on that page ranking and in the organic search results in Google? If you create a, a community, for example, or a chat forum on your website and people are talking about your business and service, it's going to be very keyword rich. It's going to include a, a, a ton of content about your business, about your company. It's, it's going to be a great you know, Google food. It's going to be a great feeder for the search engines of relevant content about your business. The, the second piece of it is one of the, the techniques that Catherine has innovated is she's added a subject header or a paragraph on a page. So you could group a bunch of comments. So say people commented about the technology and they commented about customer service and they commented about new innovations. You could put all those comments on a page and then you could have a paragraph of copy that was keyword optimized and targeting two or three keyword phrases. Make sure you get you know, 200, 250 words in that opening paragraph about that content area and then let the user-generated content flow from there. And that way you've got a really rich, optimized page. As people add more comments, they're going to keep that page very fresh and, and updated in Google's eyes. Hey, Leslie, go for it. Hey. Yeah, Leslie DeCruz, uh, Strategiation Associates, and we do uh, strategy, creativity, and innovation with uh, companies. I get the importance of having links coming to your site. Now, um, how about testimonials? I mean, it, it obviously gives more credibility to your site, but in terms of how Google looks at that, and if if my testimonial, let's say, is from uh, Roy Disney Jr., you know, from Disney, uh, versus some smaller company, does that somehow get uh, picked up by uh, by Google? I don't think so. I think you know, unless you can get Roy Disney Jr. to put his testimonial on Disney.com and link to your site, that's really where you get the link value. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the on-page credibility is about really establishing the message when someone comes to your website. Mm -hmm. And so if, if Roy Disney Jr. is going to give you a testimonial quote, when you get someone to your website, it's obviously going to carry that clout. Mm -hmm. um, and then the words on the page are going to be valuable. But you know, I, don't, I don't think Google, Google can really differentiate who, who gave you that, that testimonial. Let me take uh, one more, and then uh, we'll go on to the next section. Mark Halpert from 3D Learner. That's www.3dlearner.com. We teach kids who learn differently how to succeed. In building a subscription model, what are the three key things you'd have to do to be very successful in building a large subscriber, paid subscription? The first thing that would come to mind in, in differentiating between a free subscription and a paid subscription Number one, you've got to have really incredible content. You really want to amaze people on a regular basis. So, you know, you want to take the best content from the best writers and people in your organization. And then, in addition, you probably want to engage some really, really talented freelancers. And people are often pleasantly surprised when they, they go to a site like uh, guru.com, G U R U, or elance.com, which are freelance, freelancer sites. You can get writers uh, relatively inexpensively from all around the world, or you can specify you just want them from North America. And relatively inexpensively, you can build great articles and great content about your business, products, and services. 
So the first thing would be share really great content. You know, really surprise and amaze people so that, you know, you're sending them stuff that's very current and very leading edge. You know, one one of the things we do on this podcast is I, I go to a trade show and I interview some of the newest companies, some of the newest technologies I find. And that type of approach where you, you go to trade shows, maybe assign a journalist or, or a, a you know, bright young person on your staff to you know, just go and sort of tear apart the trade show and share the latest stuff from your industry and really bring leading-edge ideas or, or, or information. Uh, and same thing in a, in a consumer approach. And then, and then the final thing would be br- bring stuff that, that people wouldn't expect. Like you know, the first five people to email us back get a, a free iPod. So you're really encouraging people to open those emails and surprise and amaze them every time they do and you know, reward people for forwarding it to a friend and things like that. And over time, you're going to nurture and grow that community. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to wrap this section. We'll probably do another Q&A at the end of the day. And um, thanks for staying with it, everybody. Well, a big thank you to everyone who took part in the session uh, at the American Marketing Association Internet Marketing Bootcamp. I thought it would be interesting to share what's on people's minds. Please let me know if this is an interesting feature. We'll do a lot more of them. Give us a call, 206-888-6606. You can pause the show right now. Give us a shout. I'd love it if you would. And, and also, please put that number into your speed dial on your cell phone. And anytime you have a question about Internet marketing, 206-888-6606. Now let's get to the live blogs, live from the blog section. And then we'll get into our conversation with the amazing Avinash Kaushik from Google. Live from the blog, we do it every, every uh, episode of 10 Golden Rules. And the team at 10 Golden Rules records an audio portion that they've written on our blog. So first up, let's find out what's on Michael's mind. Hi everybody, this is Michael, and I want to talk today about how Time Warner Cable Company has announced plans to change the way that they are billing customers for internet usage. The company is looking to charge internet users by the amount of usage per month versus a monthly rate. The first test city will take place in Beaumont, Texas. The company is hoping that this will reduce the amount of congestion on its network for its users and keep the fast speeds available. This could, this could cause several issues with consumers and watch groups since everyone uses the internet for different reasons and is on for different lengths of time. Other companies such as Verizon and AT&T will be watching to see how this impacts financially and if it's a model that they should switch to. This is Jeff. The iPhone recently released a new update to their software. One of the biggest additions was the Where Am I button. Using cell phone tower triangulation in your cell phone, Google estimates your location and then pins point it on your map. The half a dozen times I checked my location, it was correct within a block or two, and most of the times I was in a suburban area. Google Maps then sets that as your location, and you can get directions from that location to anywhere you need to go. This comes in especially handy, as in my case, I was on the way to a friend's house, and I was trying to find a liquor store nearby to bring a bottle of wine to the housewarming. With the locator button, I found a liquor store just a block off the road I was on. Google Maps then had a link to the information on the liquor store, including the phone number. One click on the phone number and the, num- and the phone was dialing. This feature is available on all Google Maps applications for your cell phone at www.google.com gmm. Google Maps for mobile, obviously. The tool is especially handy on the iPhone because of the seamlessness of the application and the touch screen on the iPhone. 
It was only a short time before GPS becomes standard on all cell phones, but in the meantime, this is a great tool. Hi, this is Catherine. I recently saw a thought-provoking question on LinkedIn, a popular business-oriented networking site. Is search engine optimization an art or a science? After posing the question, the author went on to insist to the Web 2.0 community that search engine optimization is more of a science. I quote, Many consultants claim that search engine optimization, SEO, is more of an art than a science. I tend to strongly disagree, as well as you may need to have some creativity to come up with innovative SEO tactics. It hardly makes search engine optimization an art. I thought about what he had to say and came to a disagreement. You see, I, I believe that search engine optimization is an art and a science. SEO is an art because parts of it require an understanding of copywriting and marketing know-how, both which tend to lean on the side of creativity and art. SEO is a science because it deals with complex search engine algorithms and coding techniques. And I believe that SEOs that do their job well balance both sides of the coin. But what do you think? Is search engine optimization an art or a science? Call into the podcast at 206 888 6606 and give me your thoughts. Hi, this is Margie. As I was scanning my post from 2007, I stopped on one I posted back in June. In it, I talked about the concept that your online friends are your reputation. My post pointed out that your online persona is as much about the people you align yourself with, your friends list, as any other criteria. For 2008, there's a lot of mainstream buzz about your online brand and reputation and the building, nurturing, and protection of it. For instance, would you want your prospective employer to see your friends' comments from your MySpace page? Is your LinkedIn profile good enough to act as your resume? If you have a Facebook page, should it reflect your professional or your personal tastes and interests? And should your personal blog be fair game for your boss to read? I expect to see the business of building, nurturing, and protecting your online brand, both for individuals and companies, to become a major focus for the right companies this year. The web savvy among us will do it for ourselves, but this is a key opportunity for companies to offer a service to provide online reputation management for those who can't. Hi, this is Anthony, and my topic today is M-Commerce, or mobile commerce shopping on cell phones and other mobile devices. M-Commerce may have a ways to go, but it just made a giant leap in London with a partnering of Yahoo with T-Mobile on Web & Walk to serve targeted display advertising. The partnership illustrates Yahoo's broader strategy of making advertising and distribution deals with carriers and handset makers in key markets including Europe, Asia, and Latin America. A Jupiter Research mobile analyst noted, this is another proof of how buoyant the mobile advertising market is. Web & Walk had 2.8 million subscribers as of the end of September 2007. Still, M-Commerce has a ways to go. According to a separate Jupiter Research study, only 3% of advertisers were placing display ads on mobile sites and 4% on carrier portals. Hi, this is Susan. I recently found a great example of how useful social bookmarking is. I was looking for a website with a collection of Photoshop tutorials on Google and decided to use delicious.com to bookmark them. Because social bookmarking is based on the idea that anything you bookmark others can see, so you can see who else bookmarked the same website you did along with their bookmarks, with Delicious you can also view the most popular bookmarks for a particular keyword to find other related websites that are bookmarked. 
If enough users bookmark your website, it may be featured on the home page or above all of the results for a particular keyword, which is a great way to bring traffic to your website. Dig.com is another useful website because there is always something interesting to read on this site. Since the stories on Dig are ordered by the amount of users who dig these stories, there is always something new to read when you go to their home page. Using Dig is a great way to bring traffic to a website if the content is interesting enough. With that being said, it is always good to have a social bookmarking adding tool on your website. Using a plugin such as addthis.com or sharethis.com, you can easily implement a bookmarking adding tool onto your website. This will make those who use these social bookmarking sites easier to add your website to their own social bookmarking lists. Well, a big thank you to the team. They cover a range of topics. I love it every single week. Our next section is the blog or podcast of the week. And the winner this week is... The Jaffe Juice Podcast, episode number 100. You've probably heard me mention Joseph Jaffe several times on the show. And we even challenged Joe to answer a question we had from a listener about why podcasts were just doing call-in radio. And where was the innovation? Where was the format? And Joe, of course, gave a creative answer on his podcast. He agreed, he disagreed, and he commended me for something he called pod bait. Basically asking a question that was intriguing enough to bait him to play it on his show. So, Joe, thanks for taking the bait and giving us a little promo when we were just starting out with the 10 Golden Rules podcast. Jaffe Juice just celebrated episode 100, and I can tell you from my experience uh, with this show, and my experience producing my own show, Joe has given thousands and thousands of hours producing, preparing, posting, promoting, lining up interviews, getting show notes ready, and all of this is amazing content, and Joe provides it free to his listeners. 100 shows is an amazing achievement, and Joseph is to be applauded and commended. And for the 100th show, they basically did a, um, a history, um, showing some, a retrospective, showing some of the best content from the first 100 shows. However, they missed one show that I thought was a particularly poignant piece of podcasting. Like many of Joseph's interviews, it was one that I wish I thought of it. It was one that I wish I did myself. It was on show 88, and it didn't make it onto the episode 100. Joseph interviewed David Erickson, a blogger in Minneapolis, Minnesota, who covered the tragic bridge collapse. They discussed how social media broke the story and how citizen journalism is now contributing to all breaking news. It seems so true for me. I find out, out about every piece of major news now from Twitter. So here's a, a sample of the interview and a sample of Jaffe Juice. Over to Joe, and, and, a, and a huge congratulations to Joe from all of us at 10 Golden Rules. Would you say I have a plethora? From Westport, Connecticut, bringing you the juice. There are business connections and social connections being made. The new marketing podcast with Joseph Jaffe. There's no way that uh, cross is going to be 10 So I'm here with uh, David Erickson. Uh, I wish the circumstances would be a little bit better, but uh, but at least maybe the direction and the takeaways from this is something that uh, that is maybe a little bit of a silver lining. Um, it was the uh, the tragic events in Minneapolis, the bridge collapse. The 
bridge that collapsed, 35W, Highway 35W, is the major artery through the Twin Cities. And it was at rush hour, collapsed on both sides. I used to work in Minneapolis, and I would uh, cross that bridge twice a day for uh, thousands of times I must have crossed it. So, yeah, it's really, uh, <laughs> it is close to home. So I heard about it. I usually have the TV on as wallpaper. I just listen to news, watch the news all the time. Uh, but I, for the, whatever reason, I didn't have it on that. And I started getting Twitter posts from my friends list of people saying, I'm okay. I didn't really pay that much of attention to it because it didn't mean anything to me. And then uh, and I kept seeing them. And uh, then I got an IM from a friend of mine saying, what happened? Can you believe this? And I didn't know what he was talking about, and he just told me to turn on the TV, and that's when I started watching the coverage of it and discovered what actually had happened. And we have a website called MN Speak where a lot of people just congregate, and it's like a, it's an open blog where people just post, uh, respond to each other's comments. And that started a thread with about the uh, Minneapolis Bridge collapse. And that's where a lot of the uh, a lot of the citizen journalism took place too. People are collecting different bits and pieces of information, posting it to it to create a bigger picture of what was going on. You'd have blog posts of first eyewitness accounts, very riveting, well written, insightful, detailed, and gave you a really first person view of what was going on. And then you had all these pictures that people were uploading of Flickr, which were amazing quality, and gave you an on-the-scene view of what was going on. And then people were uploading their videos to YouTube. And you, you captured really this sense of being there with the chaos and, and uh, franticness of people running around, didn't know what to do. It's interesting to see these converg convergences of technologies, the broadband access, the mobile devices, uh, high-definition quality. All these things are coming to a point where I think you're going to see a lot more of uh, citizen journalism and much better citizen journalism. So I think if, if you know, if, if we go back to, I remember 9-11, and, um, and I was at the agency that I worked with at the time in New York um, on Madison and 52nd uh, Street, and um, and I remember the kind of, the cell phone, the whole grid went down very quickly yeah. and it was only through through AOL instant messenger that people were actually communicating and again doing the same thing which is I'm okay don't worry spread uh -huh. the word so that's just a short little edited piece from Jaffe Juice number 88 if you want to get a feeling for the history of the show give a listen to show 100 they did uh, as I said sort of a best of show and it'll get you up to speed and you can listen to Joseph going forward so a big congratulations to Joseph Jaffe and everyone over at JaffeJuice.com. Well, let's get rolling with our fascinating conversation with Avinash Kaushik. He's one of the smartest web people I know. He's an analytics expert. Analytics is the software and the process of measuring how many people come to your website, where do they come from, what do they do on the site, and where do they leave the site. Analytics is... is um, sort of given credit for coming up with the term bounce rate. The bounce rate is how many people come to your website and bounce off without going to a single other page on the website. And so all this amazing stuff is available free from Google Analytics. It's a really, really powerful product. Anyways, Avinash is passionate, he's colorful, and he's the author of a new book on analytics called Analytics, An Hour a Day. Without further ado, here's Avinash Kaushik. So I'm here with Avinash Kaushik, and we're at the Lowe's Miami Hotel. Both of us are speaking at the SIPA conference tomorrow. 
the Specialized Information Publishers Association. And Avinash was kind enough to share a few minutes with us. And we're going to get together with a group of people for dinner tonight. And we'll, we'll pass the mic around there. But I thought I'd steal a few quiet moments before we get into that. Avinash, thank you so much for doing this. First, tell us a little bit about your background and what your role is at Google. Yeah, definitely. I'm an independent consultant, and I'm the author of the book, Web Analytics, An Hour a Day. It was published by Wiley recently. And at Google, I spend about 60% of my time at Google, and I'm the analytics evangelist for Google. So I work with all the analytics products at Google. Google has seven customer-facing analytics products, and I work with them in order to make the tools better and more friendly for Google's customers so they can make better decisions like Analytics, Google Trends Pro, AdWords Report Center, so a number of tools. And then I also am a speaker at a number of conferences, including the one here tomorrow. And I talk about how to make better decisions uh, on the web and how the landscape of making decisions is changing from simply, you know, give me your log file to a lot more sophisticated things. Now, I first heard of your book because Seth Godin, seven best-selling books, yeah. The Marketing Guru, wrote a really, really nice praise about the book. And uh, I, I recently checked out the, uh, the book on Amazon. You had, the first time I've ever seen a, f- a five-star rating, 40 five-star ratings. Congratulations. Tell me a little bit about how the book came about and, and a little bit of the history. Yeah, definitely. The book is um, a result of my experience of doing web analytics for the last four or five years. And I took a very different approach to doing web analytics uh, but the book is also actually uh, output of my blog. I started writing my blog about 17 months ago or a year and a half ago. And about six months into writing the blog, somebody from Wiley called me and said they would like to make it into a book. And I uh-huh, thought they great. were crazy. <laughs> Why would somebody want to pay for they something? They far from crazy. <laughs> and uh, so they convinced me to write the book. And uh, in the end, uh, a lot of about 40, 40% of the stuff you see in the book is from the blog. And it wasn't, as uh, Wiley said, copy-paste. I had to rewrite everything, and then uh, I had to write 60% new content. Uh, but once I started writing, it just, it just kept coming out, and my contract was for about 230 pages, and the book is 350 pages, I think. <laughs> I just kept writing. And, and it also, reads very nicely. Like The topic is very high-level. It's very sophisticated. Yes. It's for the, the intellectual, but it, the, the content reads very... Um, it has a nice flow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I definitely wanted to have a conversation, and it's more than web analytics. Um, I wanted to write a book about online marketing, and how do you do online marketing? How do you think of all these sophisticated ways in which you can do online marketing? And, oh, by the way, you can measure them. And the, the other great thing about writing a book, and, and I'm very pleased that it's doing very decently, is that I love blogging. I write. I have no ads on my blog. I don't sell my services. I barely mention I'm a consultant. Um, I just blog because I love blogging. And when I decided to write the book, I, I thought it would be impure to profit from it. So actually, all of the proceeds from my book go to charity, the Doctors Without Borders and the Smile Train. So, you know, I started a blog, you know, and yeah. now it's it's sort of out there. It's generating. Now, Wiley makes more than me, but I whatever my share is, it is donated charity. That makes me very happy. A lot of people talk about the opportunities that come from the book. Yeah. Have you had any positive spinoff or experiences? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I think that the I think the people at Wiley were right. You know, and and um, my author friends who advised me to write the book were very right because the book helps you to reach an audience that normally uh, you don't reach through your blog or your speaking engagements. I think the book is all over the world, and and so many people have read it, and I I, I would never have reached those people. So it's it's amazing that the book has been this catalyst of of driving this change and 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 helping spread this mindset or my gospel essentially. And also, definitely, it, it means that 
uh, more people know um, who I am and they'll come check out the blog or maybe, you know, or somebody might read it and say, oh, we want you to come see you at a conference and things like that. But mostly it's, I, I, the, the biggest thing to me is that web analytics for the longest time used to be this boring, unsexy thing. And I, I, I'm happy to put a different mindset about numbers out there and, and get people to think differently. And, and the fact that the book does that very well makes me very happy. Let's go to the basics because a lot sure. of what I do with the 10 golden rules of internet marketing is uh, make it simple. Yep. Take the complex and, and help people understand it and then give them simple applications for getting started. So for a small business, maybe they just got analytics on their site or they, they don't even know what analytics is. T talk about the really basics about analytics and then I'll ask you some more advanced stuff. Oh, definitely, definitely. Actually, I'm going to publish a post next Monday that is going to be all about you know, how do you get started in analytics? So I'll give you a preview. That, that could be last Monday <laughs> or future Monday. But, uh, <laughs> That'll be some Monday in, in, exactly. in December. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, essentially, I said, you know, you know nothing about analytics or you've just implemented uh, Google Analytics or Omniture, WebTrends, whatever tool you have, you've just implemented it. And I say, you know, do these five first. Essentially, I say, you know, the first thing that you should dive into is understanding, you know, how many people are coming to your site. That's it. Just like that dumb, basic understanding. Look at the number of visitors. Look at the but number e of visitors. Even more basic. Analytics is it's, it's a little teeny line of code that you copy oh, and paste. Absolutely, yes. It's yeah. free with Google AdWords. Yes. And, and, and your, any webmaster can add it to the site and ma make sure they don't charge you more than like $42 to add. It's so simple. I agree. Actually, anyone with um, who ha who knows how to edit HTML, essentially all you need to do is be able to open an HTML file. Yeah. You can sign up at google.com slash analytics or Microsoft also has a free tool now. You could go get it. Um, that's totally cool as well. So get one of the, both tools are free, completely free from Microsoft as well as from Google. Go to sign up. It takes 10 minutes to sign up. Sign up is all free, 100% free. You don't need to have any accounts or anything. Uh, at the end of the sign up where they only ask you for your URL, Name and address and email. That's it. And then, you know, you can give them your name is God is great. It's totally fine as well. Just the URL is important. Yeah. So give them a URL. Give them a real email address. At the end, you'll get these five lines of JavaScript code. You copy the JavaScript code and you paste it and you save it. And approximately three and a half hours later, you have data. Literally, that's how long it takes for once and, you and step it's really an incredible tool. Boom. And um, exactly. You know, it's very it, easy to use. It tells you how many people are coming to your site where they're coming from exactly. and what they're doing when they get there. That's how I dumb it down. I, I completely agree. I think you'll get very, within within a few hours, you'll have all the data and uh, tools like Google Analytics will come with about 85 standard reports. But you can simply look at the dashboard and the dashboard is going to show you right away uh, the number of people who are coming. What are the sources of traffic to your site? Hey, who are your friends who are sending you traffic? Or you, you'll very quickly understand what keywords are sending you traffic. Very important in a world where search engines dominate the world. Uh, you'll understand what content people are consuming. What are the top pages on the site? Also, you'll understand even simple metrics like bounce rate, for example. Say, hey, is your website, um, I hate to use this word, but sticky. You know, once, once people land on your you site, they get expand on bounce rate. It's such a powerful term. Exactly. I mean, I really love bounce. It's such a simple metric. Anybody can understand it. It's essentially the number of people who come to your website, only see one page and leave. It expresses this phenomenon from the customer perspective. I came, I puked, I left. You know, it's kind of funny, but it's really true. It's how many people came to your site and instantly leave it. And then that's a really important number to know. Because often people say, oh, you know, last month I got a million people. This month I got two million people. What you don't know is last month you bounced to 800,000. This month you bowed bounce 1.9 million of 2 million. That's the important number to know. How many people actually look at more than a page? What's, 
What's the range of typical bounce rates you see? Right. So for each website, bounce rate will be unique. And for some sites like blogs, bounce rate is not a good metric because on a blog, as you, as you know, you'll, you'll write a post and I'll come to your blog, I'll read the latest post and I'll leave right away because I'm done. I, I, that's yeah. all I came to read. So on a blog, it's not a good metric. But on any other website, in order for you to engage, you need to do more than a page. I don't know of a site in the world that's only one paid site. Typically, what you want to shoot for is, in my experience of analyzing so many sites, a bounce rate of about between 20, 25, 30%. 25 to 30 is okay because you can't actually get everybody to come in. It's kind of tough. If I see a bounce rate around uh, 40 or higher, I get worried. If I see 50 or higher, normally I tend to freak out because I'm losing half of the traffic. And I right away want to know what campaigns are not working well, what sites are not sending me qualified traffic, what keywords are not resolving well, what pages stink. So if, if I see anything around 50%, I freak out. You talk about the 90-10 rule in your book. Yeah. I love it. Please explain. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, for the longest time, web analytics used to be very expensive. And a lot of people had this mindset that if only I had the God's gift to humanity tool, you know, I'll pay $2 million, $2 million for the tool. Uh, it'll solve all my problems. And the reality is web itself, the web it itself is so complex. Online marketing, customer behavior is so complex. And, and in re, in the, at the end of the day, what's going to make a difference for you is not the tool itself, but what's going to make the difference are the intelligent people who will analyze the data. So I created this rule about three years ago when I was at Intuit. I was a director for research and analytics at Intuit. And, and the rule I created was that if you have $100 to spend on analytics, you should spend $10 on the tool and $90 on the people. Because... Because so people are the ones who are going to make a difference to you and not the tool. The tool is just, you know, I'm being mean here. The tool is just a tool. And now the tool is so strong, the, fr the free tools exactly. give you so much information right. that you better have a strong person to analyze it before you get into some of the more advanced tools. Oh, I agree. I have been to a number of companies that are spending hundreds and thousands of dollars. Really, I'm not joking. They'll spend easily a several hundred thousand dollars on an analytics tool, and they are doing nothing because they have not allocated a single dollar to a person who is smart to analyze they the data. They don't scratch the surface of the they data. They don't. Now, at some point, a company will become mature where they'll have a team of people who will want to do advanced predictive modeling and statistical analysis, and they'll want to do all these things. And at the time, it's it's actually a great idea to go out and buy a tool that's, that's expensive. That's okay. But... It's not a good idea for you to say, I have the most sophisticated tool on the planet. It, is, it, it makes coffee and helps me into my underwear in the morning. But you're not going to put the human resources needed to understand your business, understand your goals, and then go measure them. I mean, then what's the point? You're screwing around. Talk to me about the Trinity model, another thing that you outline in a chapter in the book. Yeah, uh, definitely. The Trinity comes from a key learning that I had in my in my life. You know, I, I you know was a very quantitative person, and I got into doing web analytics by analyzing all these web logs and numbers and everything. And one of the things I learned early on is that all the focus was on numbers that did not work, but not a lot of focus on the business. And in fact, I, I say the story that. Um, after I first got into web analytics about four or five years ago, I, I went around the company, talked to a lot of people in, in that company at the time, and then I shut down the web analytics tool they had. And it was producing 200 reports, and not a single human being called me. Not one, not one person called me for two weeks <laughs> saying, where are the 200 reports? Because they were not using them. So the first element of the Trinity is the clickstream analysis data. But then I built the second element of the Trinity, which is outcomes analysis. 
What are your conversion rates? What's your revenue? What are the problem resolution rates, task completion rates? What are qualitative measures like likelihood to buy offline, online, all these outcome metrics? Because I find that in any company, if you want to get your senior executives to look at you and and actually use your data, you need to tie to the outcomes. You need to help them figure out how to make bonus. Really, everybody cares about their own bonus. And then the third element of the Trinity is what you mean I mean. Websites are for selling and making money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the thing is, it's kind of we laugh about it, but the thing is, a lot of people who do analysis, if you look at the reports and say, how much effort are we putting into understanding outcomes, right? And, and you'll see that very little time you spend on outcomes. You all get obsessed about URLs and pages and all this stuff. And it's good, but outcomes. But the third element of the Trinity is what I call experience analysis. Because what I found is, even though I was very quantitative and everything, I find the thing that was missing from the data is really an understanding of you, Jared. Like, what are you thinking? And what, what do you, why are you doing this click behavior in a funny way? Or why did you come to our site? Not, not by looking at the pages you saw, but what were you trying to do? Because the pages you saw are an artifact of our crappy navigation. <laughs> this is not what you were looking for. So I developed this third element of Trinity. I call it the experience analysis. And it's doing surveys. It's doing lab usability. It's doing follow me homes. It's doing um, other kinds of studies that uh, multivariate testing. I'm such a huge fan of testing and experimentation. But essentially, it's so all about bringing... you can't do all the work with the analytics tool. Exactly. No, you can't. You You've absolutely cannot. You've got to watch cannot. people using your site. Yes. It, it, You've uh, got to study them in their own environment using your site. Absolutely. I think the analytics tool, to put it simply, give you the what. What happened? But what they don't give you is the why. And, and the third element of the Trinity experience analysis is all about understanding why. And through surveys, through usability studies, through experiments that you run, is to truly give the customer a voice at the table. I want you to scream at me if my site sucks. I want you to give me a compliment if the search engine on my site worked really well. I want to talk to you, have that conversation. And, and the third element of the Trinity is about how do you have the conversation at scale, right? Have the conversation with... 10,000 people, you know, and then how do you do that? You talk a lot about exit surveys. Absolutely. What are some of the easy ways people can implement those? Actually, you could use, uh, I talk about this in my book and in my blog as well, is, the, is, is I think the greatest survey in the world has three questions and only three questions, you know. <laughs> this is and, a famous blog post. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, the greatest questions ever. And, and you could do this survey all by yourself or you could use SurveyMonkey or something. Simple tools that cost $19 a month, really, if you want to pay for them. They also have a free model, but the three questions are, why are you here? And it's all about understanding primary purpose. So the people from the UCD community, user-centric design will understand this, but this is all about understanding why you are here. And people will tell you that. I'm here to buy, I'm here to research, I'm here to look for a job, your address, or, or PR material, right? The second question is, were you able to complete your task? Whatever you were here for, did you get it? And it's, I call it task completion rate. And the third one is the most beautiful one, which is, if you were not able to complete your task, why not? Yell at me, tell me. And, and, and the simple analysis of this tells you, gives you a great understanding of the customer's minds, but also gives you a checklist of things you need to fix from a customer's perspective. They are going to tell you what you need to focus on. Now, what I find is most of, at most of the time, companies, the people with the highest salary, the hippos, will go out and make decisions about what should happen on the site, while customers don't get so much a voice. And this even a simple three-question survey that you show on exit will, will actually give you customer voice and tell you things that customers are telling you to do. A hippo is the highest paid person's opinion, right? Exactly, yeah. That was the acronym we had formed, formed <laughs> at the companies. Hippos rule the world, the highest paid person's opinion. <laughs> you had a recent blog post that you said, perfection is the enemy of good enough. Yes. <laughs> um, I met Guy Kawasaki last yeah, week, yeah, yeah. and he's semi-famous for a quote, 
don't worry, be crappy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like, that's even better than mine. <laughs> I often plead with my staff, don't make it perfect. Just that's give right. me something that's really good, fast. Give me a draft of something. Think it through. Spend you know 15 or 20 minutes on it. Let me give you some feedback, and then we'll touch it up and get it out. Right, right. Because in this business, it's moving too fast. You don't have time to be perfect. You want to expand on your... I'll give you this framing, you know. I, I think a lot of old-school people or, or a lot of people around the world still go don't get this concept and want perfection because in the past, actually people think even now, a lot of things that you do carry heavy risk. And when you're trying to take risk in your life, you want you don't want risk. You don't want to fail. And so you want to be perfect. So we're sitting here, you know, in front of the swimming pool at, at Lowe's and this beautiful Lowe's hotel. You would want perfection in the design of this building because otherwise it will fall. People will die. Okay? That's important. Yeah. That's important, right? Now on the web, that's, that's no longer true, right? The, the, the amazing thing is the web is this great equalizer where you can take a certain amount of risk. You can fail and you can fix things fast. And I think a lot of people don't get this. You, on, on the web, look, look, at, look at Gmail. Gmail is the Google's email program. After, I don't know, five, six years, it still says beta. It's perpetual <laughs> beta. And, and that's what I want people to get is lie. And it's a damn good program. Oh, it sure is. Works fantastically. Yeah. And it's always in beta because the mindset there is we'll get to perfection at some point and remove the beta label. Until then, we're going to create something, put it out there, See what works, what fails based on customer perspective. We'll update it, put it out there again, learn again. Because the first version of the program wasn't perfect, did not stop the program, did not make the program a complete disaster. It did not fail completely, continued to uptake, and they've kept improving. So on the web, your ability to take risk is, is really high. You can take risk, and you won't go out of business. So create something that's good enough, right? Good enough, put it out there. Don't make all the decisions yourself. You can yourself. do it fast. You can do it do cheap. Do it fast. You can test. You can learn. And then exactly. you improve. Yeah, and you can make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. But don't build completely crappy things, right? So yeah. good enough. Put it out there. Get the customers involved. Like, let's let's build this Lowe's Hotel halfway through. Let's see all the feedback. And then we'll build the other 18 floors. <laughs> now, in reality, this is hard to do here. Yeah. On the web, 100% possible. Plus, on the web, if you take it, time is your enemy. If you wait for perfection and give me perfection two years from now, you are irrelevant. The web has moved you missed, beyond you. You missed that business model. Exactly. Golden rule number one is there are no rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really the rule of testing. That's exactly And right. a lot of it we learned at eDiets. Just That's right. get a landing page up, get an yes. offer up, have a test every yeah, week, yeah, yeah. and run people through it. Half the people see your current landing page. Half the people see the test one. Right. And at the end of the week, you have your new winner. Absolutely, yes. And, and you're going to win big long term doing that. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I have one final question yes. I ask everybody. Tell me a little bit about what you're using on the web to stay current, any tools you use for personal productivity, the blogs and websites you read to stay ahead of the game. Sure. Actually, I, I have morphed all my intellectual absorbing to blogs, really. I, mean, I, I just think that if anybody, if, if there are readers of, of your blog who... And podcasts. On, and, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You online. You're <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, audio, video, podcast. <laughs> so, so, for example, on the flight over, I was watching all the tech 
TED Talk videos, TED. Oh, great. You know, you, you, yeah. I know you know, yeah. brilliant people sharing. And just like the TED Talk with podcasts, you know, we talked about Mitch Joel, what a brilliant guy, sharing amazing insights every week. And, and Mitch and Seth, all these people who are sharing amazing insights through their blogs. I, I, I am a firm believer that the latest knowledge about anything in the world is not in a university, it's not in a magazine, it's on a blog. And the most current information, so I have, a, I have about 120 blogs in my RSS feeder, so get an use, RSS use feed. a reader. Exactly, and, yeah. and um, because I am on a plane a lot, I use FeedReader, yeah. a, a small European uh, piece of software, I love it. It brings all the text and images, removes all the formatting. I love that. Um, so I use FeedReader. I encourage everybody to try it. And I have about 120 blogs that keep me current about anything, everything from food to, to marketing to web analytics to all kinds of things. Really, I have blogs on a very diverse set of topics, so blogging and FeedReader. To write my blog, I'll give you another tool. Uh, I use Blogdesk, a great piece great. of software. I, I really like it. And um, I, I use that a lot. Also, I can use it offline, upload into WordPress. By the way, WordPress, greatest platform in the world for a blog. I love WordPress. Yeah, it's interesting. Matt yeah. Cutt said that last week yeah. at, at PubCon. It's, and Google owns Blogger. And yeah. Why is no, and it, he, wh he said WordPress. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, I use WordPress. And everyone's quoting it in the last couple of days. Why, why, is, why is WordPress better for a blog right now? Actually, WordPress is this amazing. It's, it's like Firefox, right? You get this base platform that out of the box works fabulously well pingbacks, trackbacks, yeah. amazing things. But the thing that makes WordPress the king of the world is how normal people have extended the platform. So I can get at least 55,000 themes that other people have brilliantly created and generously given, put created for me, the, so the I can choose my look and feel, yes. You can build it, on it. Exactly, and, and I love you get, my You theme. get the basic kit and then you can exactly. add other software people have built. Yes, so the, the plugins, the WordPress plugins, there's so many plugins. I have a plugin for SEO, I have a plugin for internal search, I have, a, I have all these plugins awesome. so I can custom create my platform. You can't do that with Blogger. So sorry if, if Google <laughs> Blogger people listening, you know. But WordPress is a great they, platform. They have to catch up. So I, 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 use, well, uh, I use WordPress. Avinash, thank you so much. Any last ideas or comments you'd like to share with folks? No, I definitely think that if you have a website, you know, I'm going to just riff on analytics a little bit. If, if you have a website, it truly is a crime against humanity not to have an analytics tool. And I say that purely because your customers are on your website and it is your duty to listen to them. And all web analytics tool allow you to do is listen to your customers better. And I strongly encourage everybody to do it because now it's free, right? And, and there's really, you have no excuse except, you know, well, you have no excuse, so do it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, a big thank you to Avinash for taking the time and uh, sitting down with us in Miami. And and big thank you to you for listening to the show today. Also, thanks to Larry Port for the joke of the day, Natalie Gelman for our new audio bumpers, Lorna Paxson from Happy Trails for calling in, and the team at 10 Golden Rules. Don't miss next week. We're going to have a uh, great conversation with Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist.com. And if you can, please take a moment right now to call in your comments or questions. The call-in line is 206-888-6606 or email me, jay at 10goldenrules.com. As always, we end the show with a song selection from the Podsafe Music Network. And I really love live music, so I did a search for live music and I found an artist from my youth. I hope it brings back some fond memories for you as well. If you had long rocker hair in the 80s, then crank up your iPods. This is Mr. Alice Cooper, live from Montreux, and have a great week, everybody.
for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call-in line 206-888-6606. with Cast Blaster. Ten golden rules for all your internet marketing needs.